All right, ready? One, two, three. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Clever Kids Podcast. My name is Tyler. I'm here with my two brothers. Brian, how's it going? It's going great. How's it going, everybody? Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Those are their voices. All right. Uh, This is a weekly pop culture podcast where three brothers tackle the topics that everyone's thinking about. This week, it's the best movies of Leonardo DiCaprio. I think maybe we'll talk about all the movies because I think I've seen all of them, but uh, we're at least going to dive into the best of them. Uh, But before we get into the main topic, we like to talk about what we've been doing this week. Um, Brian started last week. Jeff, what have you been doing this week? You got anything that, yeah, anything new? This week was uh, kind of a return to form for me. I uh, started watching Dragon Ball Super, um, which a lot of people who are fans of the original Dragon Ball Z anime um, consider that. Uh, a uh, return to form for them as well as far as um, you know, Dragon Ball GT just kind of got out there and more and more existential but um, Goku's yeah. a baby again yeah it gets weird um, but Dragon Ball Super it's, uh, it's really entertaining um, I'm loving it uh, I also picked up a new game I picked up well it's, it's actually it's a game that's in early access it's called Baldur's Gate 3 mm. and uh, it's, it's basically modeled directly after Dungeons and Dragons which for our listeners know uh, I run a D&D game, and uh, it's very, very uh, fun. It's in early access right now, so it doesn't have the entire game released, and it's going to be in early access for the next, like, 10 months. So, um, yeah, it's a great time. What about you guys? Do you want me to jump in? Um, this week, I haven't really been doing much. Oh, you know what I did watch? Did I talk about The Thing last week? No. No. Okay. Kelly and I watched um, all of the The Thing movies. Uh, well, not all of them. We didn't watch thing The Thing from Another World from like 1954 or whatever. We watched John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. And then we watched the, uh, pre, the pre-sequel, prequel movie reboot um, from 2011, um, back to back. And definitely John Carpenter's is the better one. Um, I had never seen it because I, through most of my life, have not been a horror movie guy until very recently. I've been warming up to it more and more, um, probably because the style of horror that has become more um, popular has been more of this psychological horror rather than like slashers chasing you through the night or whatever, which I don't I don't like that kind of stuff. I'm much more into this sort of uh, get out style like what the hell is going on here everything's screwed up and the thing really fell into that and i gotta say for for anyone who hasn't seen it it's not scary anymore because it's so old (laughs) so you kind of like you know everything that's going to happen but god it is incredible like it looks great the 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 tension is like real like you really feel all the stress that the characters are going through you understand like in the moments where they're looking at each other with guns pointed like because they don't know who's do you guys know the premise? Sorry, real quick, before I'm talking to the listeners, do either of you know the premise? No. No. Okay, so um, Kurt Russell and a team of scientists are all – I say Kurt Russell because he's not a scientist. He's basically just playing Kurt Russell. <laughs> um, they're trapped in – they're in Antarctica at, like, a research base, and uh, a dog shows up at the camp, and then a Swedish man in a helicopter comes up yelling in only Swedish, and 
he's yelling trying to shoot the dog and they kill him and they put the dog in their kennel that dog turns into a monster that um can mimic the form of turns out to be a monster that can mimic the form of anything that it sees or touches i guess or you, you don't really get into the science of it but basically what you find out is this thing can absorb a human and turn into become basically be that human and then like tear apart and turn into this like crazy monster and basically the whole movie is a who is the monster so every scene is literally them you a bunch of people in a room and you're trying to figure out who the bad guy or like who the the monster is it was the tension is real like everything is really good i genuinely understand why it's a classic now apparently it was a box office bomb uh when it came out but uh it's now considered a classic and i get it i the whole time kelly and i were watching it we were both um genuinely amazed uh all right but yeah that's it i I recommend it for you guys and i recommend it to any listeners out there who have not yet seen it um brian what about you what have you been up to yeah i mean you'll be happy to hear that i um had a lord of the rings marathon yesterday Mm. um i've been trying to um get back to some of those classics and and lord of the rings yesterday well we threw it on the other night um threw on the fellowship of the ring and then yesterday Did you watch the extended editions or the ones that we have no, on amazon no yeah the amazon uh, well it's on hbo but well we have all of them on amazon also. i forgot about that but yeah we we hbo has them so we threw them on they're just the theatrical cuts but um you know, we just, I was doing stuff, but, you know, I had the opportunity to throw them on the background. So we made it through two of them and then, and then a little bit, actually about half of number three. And, uh, we'll probably throw it on in the background again today. So, um, it was nice to get back to those a little bit. Absolutely still hold up for anyone who hasn't caught up with those in a while. Um, otherwise I was reading, uh, we, we decided to set one night a week aside when we go to bed and not put on the TV and just kind of have a reading night where we just sit next to each other and read. Um, and I was reading Le Mort de Arthur, or De Artur, or however you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically mm-hmm. the entire classical literature of King Arthur and his knights, and that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, fun Is that fa- the one that's by Tolkien? It's by uh, Thomas um, uh, Mallory. Thomas Mallory wrote that one. It's um, way back in the day. Um, yeah. Fun fact for everybody, I don't know if you know this, but when Arthur, in the classical literature took the sword from the stone he was actually doing it uh because he was a squire to his older foster brother and his older foster brother was getting into a tournament in order to mm-hmm. win the right to attempt to pull the stone uh, sword out of the stone and arthur forgot his sword yep and so arthur was running back to get it couldn't find it and on his way back he saw the sword in the stone just ran over and grabbed it and pulled it out and went over and handed it to his brother and his brother's like uh turns to his dad and says I guess that makes me king now, doesn't it? And his dad's like, well, hold on a second. Who pulled it out? So it's just kind of a funny way to read it. It was like, huh, that is so fascinating that he pulled it out in such a selfless way. Do you remember the movie Excalibur that we used to watch? I do, and I remember that uh, I remember that uh, it was uh, that way in that movie, honestly. That kind of hit my, my memory there. I was like, oh, wait, that's yeah, like, they actually like, nailed that. Yeah. The, the brother's like dad what he's like i'm king the sword from the stone and he's like yeah i pulled it out he's like well put it back yeah well yeah that's right yeah uh, it's kind of sick though i don't know how many people are aware of this but 
that movie actually is extremely accurate as well in the depiction of how Arthur was conceived, which is really twisted because mm-hmm. um, his father, Uther Pendragon, is just obsessed with this. He's a king and he's obsessed with this duke's wife. And the duke ends up going to war with him. And I don't know if it wasn't really clear if the war was over Uther trying to bang his wife or if they were fighting otherwise. And then he was like, I also, I want to kill you and take your lands, but I also want to bang your wife. But he ends up turning to Merlin and saying, I have to sleep with this chick. And Merlin was like, I can help you do that, but you're going to owe me a huge favor. And he's like, cool, whatever. And he says, the child that you conceived from that union is mine to do with what I will. And Uther's like, cool, sounds great. So Merlin makes him look like the Duke. And then he goes into the guy, he like sneaks into the Duke's castle, like looking like the Duke, and goes and has, then sleeps with her, conceives Arthur. And then she ends up marrying Uther after her, the Duke's death. So she, like, and then he cool. like reveals everything to her. He's, she's like, oh yeah, like the Duke came to me, but then I found out he actually died a couple hours before. He came to me and said, I'm not really sure what happened there. And he's like, oh, that was me, disguised in magic as your, as your husband. And she's like, oh, well, that's great then, because now I'm married <laughs> to you, so it's totally okay. And it's like, this is twisted. This is really messed up. So, I here's say, the thing. Th- there were two points in there. I was kind of a roller coaster ride. For, for our viewers that don't know, Tyler and I assigned Brian some reading in our first podcast. I, that we didn't. I really <laughs> thought that's where this was and, going. And <laughs> twice, twice so, during yes. that story, Brian goes, you're going to be happy. And then he... I thought I was like, oh, he did the reading. And he's like, I watched Lord of the Rings. I'm like, okay, cool. So he found time to watch Lord of the Rings. And then he was like, well, we're also setting aside time to sit down and read every night. Guess what I read? <laughs> nope, not the assigned reading. You know, the funny well, thing that, is. That lo- that episode is lost. So, Brian, you might be off the hook there because I can't, I can't recover the audio. So, any listeners out there wondering why episode one doesn't exist on our podcast feed, it's because uh, my MacBook of 11 years crashed. And I lost the initial audio from my recording. Quick uh, question on that. Why wouldn't you just title episode two as episode one and then just act like that never happened? Because we referred because to I it. thought I was going to be able to recover it. And we refer uh, to it as I episode one. Mm. And we call it the second episode. And for anyone who, obviously everyone didn't hear that recording, they decided to give, I would argue, the busiest of the three of us assigned reading in stuff that they find interesting. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it just for the record. I'm planning to read those. But I will say there was a moment the other night that you guys would have freaked out because when we sat down to do the reading, it, I was like, hmm, I'm going to go pick one of my classical books from my collection on my bookshelves. And Anna goes, don't you have a couple of comic books you're supposed to read in your nightstand? And I was like, yeah, but I want to read something else. So I actually went right past him and chose something else. But I do plan on reading those and we can have a good uh, episode talk on it. I'm just not quite there yet mentally. Uh it, it takes a lot of prep time. The thing is, it doesn't. It doesn't. And also, <laughs> you could just read one at a time. And you could just, during your weekly recommendations thing, you could just be like, I read this book, this one of the two by side readings. Honestly, at this point, it doesn't matter. We're just going to do another recommend comic books, and we're going to make we're gonna assign way more homework to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start assigning homework or to we're you gonna, guys that you don't like. Here's the thing. We're going to do a Brandon Sanderson recommends, and oh. Jeff's just going to assign the two of us a book to read. Cool. Yeah, so out. your guys' homework is you have to read Moby Dick. But it's going to be it. in Arabic. <laughs> oh, I haven't read that. All right. Well, let's uh, – so do you recommend 
Lord of the Rings, Brian, or La Mort d'Arthur, do you recommend them? Would you say that people should read them? It's pretty dense reading. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, a lot of it's written in that old English style and it's like, you'll read a sentence and you'll be like, wait, what is that sentence trying to say to me? And there's like times where you have to kind of backpedal and be like, okay, what is that saying exactly? So it's, it's definitely a little bit of a slow slug, but at the same time, I've read, sorry. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, once you get into it and if you enjoy the story, I mean that King Arthur and his Knights is one of my favorite classical, um, kind of like stories to get into. And, and so, and I've, I've got a background in it already. So it makes the reading a little easier. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, this is that part and stuff, but there's, there's definitely a lot to it. Um, I find it fascinating. If you like classical literature, it's a great pick. Yeah. I read Lamar to Arthur when we were in high school. Um, all the way through and understood probably about 50% of it um, <laughs> because it is definitely written in a in an ancient dialect and even I had like a translated version and I uh, I don't know I didn't love it as much as I love like the abridged versions of the stories you know um but I am excited about Gawain and the Green Knight to come out eventually with Dev Patel. Yeah. Uh, if it ever gets released. It's yeah, cinematography released like in April. It looks incredible. It looks good. I'm excited for it. And they're also, they're kind of turning it into a psychological horror. So um, it's right up my alley, apparently. I didn't realize this about myself. But um, speaking of psychological horror, let's talk about the horror that is Leonardo DiCaprio's career. Who came up with this topic? It was you, right, Jeff? Yeah, it was me. Jeff, explain, explain yourself. Explain your reasoning. Why are we talking about this, man? Uh, so a uh, little insight on us growing up. A lot of the things that we do when we sit around is uh, talk, around, talk about movies, our favorite actors, and uh, we have a couple different games that we play. Um, and typically it all involves around actors and the films that they have starred in. Uh, so the topic for this week, I chose Leonardo DiCaprio's best movies to see you know, my brother's insights on what they think his best performances are. Um, and and see if we can come to an agreement or, or... best performances or best movies. Because I mean, I think that a lot of his best performances come from some of his worst movies. I, I think that it's going to be an interesting toss up between the two, like whether or not you think his best performance is also the best film that he was in. That's something I was figuring we could discuss. Okay. Well, who wants? To, well, how do, how do you think we should start then, Jeff? I mean, it's your topic, so I'm gonna kind of defer to you on a lot of the structure here, but. How do you think we should start? Should we start from like his earlier movies or like even like his like early career? Because I don't know if you guys have looked into it at all, but from what I can remember, uh, he was on. He was on. Oh, what is that show with Kirk Cameron in it? Come on, you guys know it. Oh, Growing Pains. He was on Growing Pains, I think, right? Or Family Matters? Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio? No. Are we still talking about Leo? Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. Maybe it wasn't Growing Pains. He was on one of those sitcoms from the 90s before, like, when he was, like, a really young, young little boy. Um, and that was, like, his first big break. Um, growing but, Pains. So, I mean, Growing Pains. Is, growing Pains. Ah, oh, damn, I nailed it. I'm, I'm, I impress myself sometimes, guys. I really do. Um, yeah, he plays, like, a cousin or something like that. And that's, like, his first major role. And then after that, it's just, like, all movies. Apparently, Brad Pitt was in really Growing Pains as well. Cool. Damn. Growing Pains was a shit TV show. But um, apparently it launched a bunch of very beautiful men into fame. <laughs> um, so, um, do you want to start 
I mean, we don't have to talk about Growing Pains. I'm sure you guys don't remember that show. But uh, if you want to start about, like, what's eating Gilbert Grape and move into, like, the Basketball Diaries and Romeo and Juliet and all those early movies that he did. I mean, we or... can. I mean, I was thinking we could just go film by film and kind of go back and forth. Like, I was going to start with my personal favorite film that Leonardo DiCaprio's in that he serves a leading role would probably be Catch Me If You Can. Um, That's your favorite? I mean, it's a good one. I just didn't, I wouldn't have expected that to be your favorite. I, I like that movie a lot. I, I really enjoy the, the side-by-side storytelling with him and Tom Hanks. I really enjoy Tom Hanks' role in that film. Um, knock, knock. Go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> well, you have to go with the joke, Jeff. You can't just jump to the punchline, you <laughs> piece of shit. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoy that film. Um, it's one of those films that I could just put on kind of at any time. And, and watch it over and over again. Um, I really enjoy it. What about you guys? What do you guys think of the film? And what is your, I guess, counterproposal for um, a better film? You really think that that's his best performance? I don't know if it's well. his best performance. I started by saying that that's, of his your movies, favorite. that's the I one think... that I enjoy watching the most. It's a great movie. Um, Steven Spielberg, again, makes it, rears his, uh, his bearded head on the podcast. Um, yeah, that's a great one. I, I do love that movie a lot. I really... I mean, Have you looked into Frank Abagnale Jr.'s actual life story at all? No. Did, I think... Didn't the dollop do an episode on him? I think they did. Have you not? Uh, maybe not. Um, it's, it's actually even wilder than that. He was so young. I mean, he was like 16 when he did all of this shit. And like he did it for two or three years. And... He literally did the surgeon thing. He literally did the airline pilot thing. Like, he did all of that. And he just BS'd his way through so much. It's so, it's such, it makes me wish I had lived at a different time because I definitely would have tried to get away with some shit like that. Well, hold on. The craziest part of that guy's story, Frank Abagnale, is that he got hired by the CIA to start uh, in their counterfeit department. After. But after going to prison for a long time, like seven years or something like that. Yeah, I don't know how long I mean, it was. I mean, he got prison. punished for a little bit, but the whole point is, is like his skills are transferable. And all of a sudden the government was like, you know what? You're worth more to us outside of a prison cell. And it's just crazy with all the crap that he got away with. It's so crazy. It's such a crazy story. It's it's one of those stories that if you actually dive into it, it's actually stranger than the fiction that is based on it. Frank you know Abagnale, I mean? like, Wikipedia, do yourself a favor, read that. It's riveting. It is <laughs> the Wikipedia. <laughs> I actually read a book about him uh, after that movie came out because I like the movie. So yeah, much. but I mean, you got to pay for that stuff. So Wikipedia yeah, is cool. That's true. I also <laughs> pay for Wikipedia. You guys don't donate to Wikipedia every year. Come on. Do Keep you? That shit alive. Yeah, every year. It's like a dollar ninety nine. It's not expensive, and it helps keep a website afloat for free. I There's no advertising. I appreciate you doing that for me. <laughs> it's so cheap. You guys should just do it. It's once a year. It's not a big deal. I, um, I round up my dollar when I go to Taco Bell to help. I don't know. Kids what, with cleft palates or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I round up every time. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, dude. And then I walk away and I'm like, oh, karmic slate rebalanced. <laughs> yeah, but imagine working at Taco Bell and like seeing people round up their dollar for like needy people. And then they're like, I work at Taco Bell, dude. You could just give me the dollar. I, I need that just as much as they do. I'm struggling here. I'm not getting a living wage. No way. I live 10 round, miles Round up my dollar and I'm going to drive home and know that I'm, I'm good. You also shouldn't eat Taco Bell, guys. It's really bad for you. Also, not not even sure that any of the meat there is real meat. Um, anyway, 
Uh, Brian, what do you what do you think of Catch Me If You Can? Is that is that a movie that you would put high on the list? Uh, well, if the question is just like one of his best movies, it might be up there. But if we're talking about his best acting performances, I don't think that movie really tested him like some of his other ones do, and really kind of brought out his best like his range. Um, yeah. So it, it kind of depends on how you frame that question. But I will say the storyline is is really good and really entertaining, and the fact that it's based on true events. I mean, all the craziest stuff that happens in that movie is all real. And so from a story standpoint, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's up there. But at the same time, he's got some other really good ones, too. I mean, if you just look at The Revenant, like, Hugh Glass' yeah. storyline is like, oh, let me that's pause another there and one. go ahead and do another wiki plug. Go ahead and Google Hugh Glass on wiki. Yeah. Dive in. That's another one it's that's riveting. so much crazier. Yeah, it's so much crazier, especially considering that or the if you want to jump really quickly into The Revenant, because I don't think it's anyone's favorite of his right it's kind of a joke that that's his oscar winning performance right because it's not like i love that movie but it's not so good that you go back and just be like wow he's amazing well the entire point is that he was willing to fucking kill himself to get an oscar and the the academy is just like all right let's do it before we lose leo yeah we're gonna (laughs) we don't give it to him he's just gonna keep getting crazier That's funny. Well, you, you would think that they would give it to Tom Cruise by now then, right? Because he just keeps trying to kill himself for us. At, or to, and he has not even been nominated since like 1987 or something like that. Wow. Um, but uh, Hugh Glass, that story, if you that one definitely has a dollop episode. Sorry for promoting the dollop uh, so much on this. Episode. We're not really on the level we're to say it. we're competing with them. So it's, I think it's no, right they, now. honestly, they People should are aware. some listeners. <laughs> yeah. So check this out. I just Googled it just but, to kind of get a little bit more of the background real quick. Sorry to cut you off there. This is, this is time. So jump in. Leo DiCaprio in the, the Revenant plays a 19th century frontiersman who, after suffering a violent bear attack, embarks on a journey through freezing wilderness to exact revenge. And then they quoted him. And he said, I can name 30 or 40 sequences that were some of the most difficult things I've ever had to do. Whether it's going in and out of frozen rivers, sleeping in animal carcasses, or what I ate on set, I was enduring freezing cold and possible hypothermia constantly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he really, really wanted people. He's like, this was going to get me that goddamn award. This is going to make me not a meme anymore. Um, And then it became a meme. (laughs) Real quick on the Hugh Glass story. There's no unmeaning yourself. That movie makes it seem like this the whole journey took just a week and you can imagine being that angry at somebody that you chase them across the country for a week i guess right but the real hugh glass story he chases that man across the country for like seven years or maybe even longer like he's just like he just and his son wasn't even killed he just wants his goddamn gun back that's the whole point he just wanted the guy took his gun and he wanted his gun back that was the whole that's what drove him it's crazy yeah, it's I mean, such a crazy story. The, 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 but, the Revenant skips out on some awesome moments in Hugh Glass's life, like the fact that he was a pirate for some years and the fact that he yeah. uh, got captured <laughs> by Indians and and it saved is. his own life by trading berries in his pocket. Yeah, just oh, man. it's it, so so much crazier sorry, than the, it, the story we saw in the movie. Yeah, it's and I'm so sorry, crazy. I don't know if you said this already, but the events of his life that happened before the story starts are crazier than what happens after the story starts. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing his is the whole... guy, they, when they get captured by the Indians and then they're like torturing him with pine needles in his skin. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy. Read it's his Wikipedia, Hugh Glass, and then think. There's also, later. Or listen it's to another, it's also or another book. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it's another person that there's a lot of books about. You can also read a book instead of just Wikipedia. But also, Wikipedia is amazing, so do that too. Um, all right, so we talked about The Revenant. I mean, where would you put Revenant on, like, would you put that... I put that high on his list of performances, but kind of in the middle on the list of movies, right? Like I would agree with that. I, I have not gone back to watch the movie a second time. I went and watched it in theaters and thought, wow, did he straight up take it to another level on this one with just his like ability to act. And I think we've talked about in the past, and it's worth saying out loud here, Leo is good in every movie, regardless of what he's in these days, for like one or two scenes where you're like, wow, dude, like I totally forgot in that moment that you're just an actor in front of a camera. Like he just has these moments like you took my thing. I'm the one that made this up that came up with this right. idea. I just thought Leo of it. I just thought of it. You heard it here first. <laughs> you asshole. Um he uh yeah, every every movie, every single movie that Leonardo DiCaprio is in list even his worst movies <laughs> every list a couple list a couple movies. I've seen when he's a kid though. Okay. Scenes where where you thought he yeah, was Yeah, even even as a kid, dude, in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, when he comes in and he's, like, trying to wake his mom up and she's dead and he's mentally challenged and it doesn't understand that she's dead and he's just like, mama, mama. I'm not going to do the voice, but he's like, it's, it's genuinely convincing. Like, it feels like you're watching someone who has, you know, mental learning disabilities uh, try to figure out that why their mom's not getting out of bed you know like it's genuinely impressive like even at that early of an age and also like romeo and juliet is a, a, a movie that most people really think is bad but for some reason my wife and i have watched it every year we both Dear love God. it i don't know why i, I, I think to believe i just, that you just like, like torturing yourself with media <laughs> i think i like shakespeare i think that's what it is and i think i like boz lerman as well who's the director of it because I think that he's just a weird dude who just makes weird movies. Um, so you'll just write out an objectively terrible movie just because they're. I don't think are it's it? bad. I don't think that it's bad. I think it's good. I think it's a good movie. I think that it's underrated. It, that should have been really high on my list of underrated movies. I didn't even think about it, but we'll do a uh, underrated movies part two, and that'll be my number one. Yeah, I'm sorry. The only play, and I'm gonna say this very clearly, the only play turned movie that I will accept. Les Misérables. Phantom of the Opera, Les Miserables made me Les Miserables, okay? I was absolutely Miserables during that shit, but Phantom, <laughs> Phantom of the Opera with Gerard Butler is great. And Emmy Rossum? Oh, yeah. yeah even better. Okay. Les Miserables okay. was. But they didn't even do it shit. as the opera. Dude, they didn't okay. even do it as a musical. Les, Les Miserables. Who? Which one? Phantom of the Opera. They're singing the, the whole time. What are you talking about? Are they? Yeah. yeah I haven't seen yeah. that movie the in a long time. It's actually, it is their actual voices, and it's really impressive. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time. Les Miserables, so like Russell Crowe, is just the one bad casting. Like Eddie Redmayne with empty chairs and empty honest. tables. Like, he kills that, that performance. Two, four, six, oh, one. Yeah, yeah you're talking about Russell Crowe. I'll admit, begun. Russell Crowe was a weak link <laughs> in that film. Everyone else did fantastic. If, if I hear you guys say Les Miserables... One more time, I'm going to shit my pants. Miserable, <laughs> like I was while it's watching. Lay miserable. That's how you pronounce it. You insane heathens. All right, Frenchy. Luddites. Um, wow. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, not to get off topic uh, onto plays, but I like Lay miserable. I also like 
Romeo and Juliet, I think it's very good, and I think Leonardo DiCaprio in it is very good. Although, it's another one of those movies which, much like uh, Catch Me If You Can, which is why I would say Catch Me If You Can in, is in the middle of the pack for me as well, even though I like that movie a lot. As far as a performance, it's in the middle of the pack for me because um, it really just leans into, look how good-looking Leonardo DiCaprio is. It doesn't really like require him to do any performance which sure. i think is the part about leonardo dicaprio that i really lean into more is like he's really talented and willing to like kind of do whatever it takes so just to be clear jeff were you arguing that it's one of his best acting performances or just no. one of the best movies he's in no I, I i clarified that i said that it was the movie that i enjoyed the most out of his films that i would be able that has the most rewatchability i guess i would say there it's them and, I get and that. that's why I, I wanted to I'm start there. If you want to jump into performances. I don't agree with that, but we can talk about We should just break this down into categories. Rewatchability, best acting performance, best overall movie. Sure. So, so yeah, let's start with rewatchability. I think that's kind of so what we were doing. I, I listed mine. What is your highest rewatchability? Rewatchability, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the answer is. And there's only one, and it's Wolf of Wall Street. Oh my god. Oh god! I cannot believe you just said that. First of all, that movie is three hours long. <laughs> Dude, that is so rewatchable though. Like, there's I so literally many crazy just rewatched it. I oh, just oh, rewatched really? It Did you rewatch recently. it, or was it the first time you watched it? It was the third time. Oh, in several. Oh, that years. sounds like two rewatches from a guy that just said that it's not the right the, answer. You guys, the answer is Inception. I'm sorry. See, Tell me you haven't seen one. it. I was. I, I, I'm not going to argue against Inception because it's damn good. It, it's too good. And it's again, Christopher good. Nolan rears his goddamn ugly head in this podcast. But he, that movie. Damn good. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Damn it's good. like in my top five. I I'll watch it. one more time here. Damn good. I watch it. Brian, you so fell asleep often. in theaters or Inception. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to hear <laughs> shit out of you. I'm pretty sure I played you. a doubleheader basketball tournament. <laughs> and you guys were like, we should go see that movie. And I was like, cool. And then I got to the theater and was dead. So it's not a reflection of the movie. I'll still, I can't forgive you for that. It breaks my heart. Every Top time 10 favorite every, naps all time. Why don't you guys just go chug a <laughs> bottle of NyQuil and then let's go see a movie and see how you do. Literally every time I watch that movie, I just think, Brian fell asleep during this when it was all yeah, the honestly, I've watched it like 10 <laughs> times. It, like at nine me, of them, I the was moment, wide awake. It's the moment when uh, um, when they realize it's a dream and like the, the, the grocery that they're at starts exploding and all the things are exploding. That's mm -hmm. when I looked over and saw Brian was asleep in the chair. You know and every time I see I that like, scene, huh. that's what I picture. I, I wonder if I fall asleep right now, if I'll be able to control my own dreams. <laughs> I wonder if Leonardo DiCaprio will be in here. Maybe I was testing out, out the hypothesis, and it didn't work, unfortunately. <laughs> I should have just stayed awake and watched. Um, Inception is low on the list for me for acting performances, because they really don't – I mean, he's Bullshit. good. Bull he's good. Shit, the whole thing with his wife? Are you kidding me? No, that see, but that's the thing. That's what that's the part where it lends leans in. That's the movie where I was like, even though he's not really doing a lot, that one scene where he's trying to get Maul not to jump off the ledge, and then she jumps off, and you Damn. see him like react is so heartbreaking and real that it's uh, that's the the part in that. I think that's when I was like, no, it was great, Gatsby. And we can talk about that in a second. But it was watching Great Gatsby. I was like, nope. Every single. I think maybe Inception was the first time I clocked it and then great gatsby is the one that's what that he has that, moment. that one moment and even in movies yeah, where gatsby, i don't like his most performance of the gatsby that movie much. was mediocre but then he has that one scene where he comes out of the rain and you're like oh this yeah. is good <laughs> it's, it's so real i rewatch it i rewatch it and you know what i want to talk about i'm gonna write this down because i don't want to de derail too early here but there's an actor that i think is the next leo and he does the same thing 
So, and we'll talk as, about as it in a second. As far as Inception, there's another scene that I really like. It's a small scene, but there's, there's a scene when he's, I think, in Morocco and he's trying to run away, like through the cafe and stuff, and he like tries to go past un, the un cafe. <laughs> and and he's <laughs> trying and to it squeeze it. It gets yeah, narrower. That's crazy. Like, he does he does a good job of of looking desperate through that scene. Panics, when he's yeah. trying to oh, the, yeah. I enjoy and that his scene. physicality is really good. That that's a, he's not an actor that you typically hear as like being like very physical, right? Because he's never in like action movies where he does a lot of fighting. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of. But he held his own in Inception, and he had a bunch of action shit. He did a good job in Inception, and in that scene where he's running, it feels like he's doing a lot of jumping, and it's all on camera. It's not a lot of stunt. Like there is obviously stunt work in it, but it's a lot of him actually doing it. You know what I mean? We're seeing him do it, and the movement is very believable. You know, he's really committing to the action in those scenes. I would go ahead and guess that he, he did really a lot good. of the, the Revenant stuff, too. I mean, that's what we were just talking about, too. He right? did, but the, it's it's a different type of physicality, right? Yeah, it's, it's not really it's, combat. That's more like just torturing your body <laughs> for some reason. Um, all right. But first, I don't want to. So we talked about Inception. I don't I don't even we could I could devote a whole episode to Inception. And I think we might have to just do a Christopher Nolan episode because of how much we talk about him. I enjoy Inception. It's just a little heavy for rewatchability. Like, do I really want to sit down for three hours? How? It's just I don't know. It's just heavier. Like you're wrong. Categorically wrong. I'm sorry. Factually incorrect. Let me just be clear here. You'll pick a worse movie because it's shorter. I don't know if they're worse i mean i maybe his acting performance uh, no i'm right. telling you i'm educating you right now okay let me stop say stop right there go to wikipedia and type in no i'm just kidding just <laughs> worst leonardo DiCaprio yeah. movies just on wikipedia pick the best this movie episode brought watch... to you by wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> pick pick the best movie and just watch it if you have to stop and come back to it later that's fine the more the merrier I just watched Lord of the Rings yesterday. You think I was like, oh, I'm going to pick it oh. because I've got time to do so. No, I didn't have time. You make time for Lord of the Rings. How great would it be if Leonardo DiCaprio was Legolas? What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was um, a hot take. If I'm, <laughs> that did rip, I'm just joking. But I do you. want to quickly bring up side, a quick sidestep. Um, casting, early casting uh, ideas for things. Leonardo DiCaprio was originally going to be cast as Spider-Man before Tobey Maguire. Can I just say my, my favorite early casting of they all are time the best friends. is the fact that Sean Connery was handed the role of Gandalf and he and turned, turned it, it down. down because he didn't understand this. And, and I just <laughs> I just can't stop picturing Gandalf quotes in Sean Connery's voice. It's you know, it's funny favorite. because in the very first scene where Gandalf's like ripping around in his little cart in the Shire and then Frodo jumps on and stuff, I was like trying to picture Sean Connery because I know that same fact. I was trying mm-hmm. to picture Sean Connery in the cart being like, Frodo. <laughs> Frodo back in the wizard is never late. Is never late. <laughs> I think he could have nailed it, to be honest. No I think it would have been way. great. <laughs> no, because you know what's funny is uh, there's a there's a part where uh, Argorn comes back after falling off a cliff. And we won't spend too much time on Lord of the Rings. But Argorn falls off the cliff in number two. And then he comes back to Helm's Deep. And uh, Gimli calls him Laddie. He's like, oh, laddie, I'm so happy to see you or whatever. And I thought, are the dwarves Scottish? Like, why does he say laddie like that? Like, it's... I it... don't... See, and that's when I'm like, knows? imagine if Gandalf is saying laddie. Like, <laughs> I feel like it would just be too much. It would just be... I don't know. I, don't know. I would have been whatever. down it's perfectly with it, cast. Although... That's not the other topic yeah. of the episode, but just a fun no. thought. But what about Leo as Spider-Man? How would you guys... I think he would have been... I think... It, I mean, yes, him and Tobey Maguire are best friends. And I think when he turned... He actually turned down the role and um, recommended Tobey Maguire for it. 
because they're like best friends they grew up together they were both child actors together um but man how cool would it have been to have leonardo dicaprio have been that early spider-man i think it would have been great i think it would have been cooler to see him as just a really damn good riddler i don't know paul dano is going to be the riddler and i think that he's probably the most perfect casting for the riddler of all time so we'll have to see um yeah i don't know i, don't, I mean I'm, I'm no we know already we know i'm a big fan of spider-man i i question whether or not those films would have been the same quality shut your damn mouth i just i don't know i don't know <laughs> i think it would have been great uh leonardo dicaprio as spider-man 2021 uh i'm calling for it hey, Paul Dino, that's the guy from 12 years a slave uh yeah he's 12 years a slave and then also there will be blood oh yeah he can be pretty good he's going to be the Riddler and he's going to be amazing. Um, he's like exactly what I picture. And I'm the one that's dressed as the Riddler on our cover art. So I'm the Riddler expert on this podcast. Oh, you man, guys next time you try up. to weigh in on Indiana Jones, I'm just going to shut you up. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, um, you probably could. You definitely like those movies more than I do. So, uh, but we're not talking about Harrison Ford, although that would be another great podcast topic. Um, okay. So we've talked about, but we skipped over real quick. Brian's most rewatchable movie, which I think is one that we should talk about. Brian? Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. It might just be because I'm working for a a financial investment firm now, but like... (laughs) And it's exactly like that, right? Strippers and tossing midgets. (laughs) Not that I would admit on recording, but... um, (laughs) No. (laughs) You're going to get your company (laughs) name redacted (laughs) in a lot of trouble. I'm I'm not talking about it. about that stuff but anyway uh the midget tossing yes no <laughs> the uh the movie itself i think is just scene after scene <laughs> the the movie itself just scene after scene is just like i can't believe that this is also almost fully based on a real story i don't know if you've ever heard but like um what's his face that the movie's jordan based belfort. off of jordan belfort um is like yeah most of that shit is real like there's very few yeah, things in the movie that didn't actually happen. He's a big fan of the fame that that part, that, that movie brought him. That he's back in the limelight. Sure, and it's based off. It's based off his. It's based off like his own life story that he told. Right, like yeah. yeah. Of course, he's going to turn around and be like, "Yes, everything I told him is true." Um, yeah. Well, I mean, half the movie's talking all about those... him flipping on all his buddies and stuff, and he's like, "Yeah, it's all true." Like, it's not just all said... glorified. Well, that's all public he actually record. Said that the very, the very first scene is him snorting cocaine out of a hooker's ass. <laughs> like, he's like, if he's saying, "Yeah, that's true," I'm just gonna believe it. <laughs> like, like that's not really one to hang your hat on. We call them sex workers now, guys. Come on, let's be PC. I, I, I um, don't call them anything. You're right. Prozies. I call them later. You know what I'm going to get divorced. <laughs> I uh, I think The Wolf of Ross Street is good, but I think that you might, you and I might like it on different levels because I like it because it's an indictment of the sales industry and of late stage capitalism. It's basically talking about how uh, capitalism turns people into monsters and he's like the like the poster child for that. And I think it really shows like it's 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 uh, you know, it's almost like an update of Wall Street, um, the 1980s movie with Gordon Gecko, where he's like greed is good and, you know, all of that stuff. It's it's a lot of um, it's an indictment of people who give in to the greed and uh, live in excess while others live in squalor and how it can turn you even a good man, which Leonardo DiCaprio starts or 
Jordan Belfort at the beginning of the movie is a good man. He's happy with his wife and he just wants to provide for her. And then all of a sudden he's rich and he has all of this stuff. And then he's cheating on her because he can. And he's just partying all the time because he can. And it really does kind of show like how capitalism can kind of turn us into monsters. Not to, you know, air my, you know, weird communism out on the podcast too much. But I, I think that it it's really Martin Scorsese kind of, taking capitalism to task and kind of talking about i mean all of his movies are really about how capitalism turns people into monsters right and if we want to talk about martin scorsese there's another movie right after this that i want to bring up so don't you guys don't recommend i do but i don't know brian i mean why what is it about the movie that really gets you yeah i think i think um we're a little bit more similar in that than than you're giving me credit for the uh the different angle I'm coming from is my background in, in my career so far out of college has been mainly sales. Um, and like I can tell you right now, there's been months where, you know, my inhibitions or my like sense of decency was kind of like waning in in the light of like my numbers on the sales matrix matrices struggling. And there were months where I just kind of had less of a heart when I was selling, you know, like if someone's told me no on a month where they caught me at a good time, I'd be like, all right, no problem. And I'd let them go. But then there were months where I was desperate to get my number up and I would push a little bit harder or I would say whatever it took to get them to upgrade or, or to take this sale or whatever. Um, so I could definitely see that same commentary. And I, I, I think it's because on, on a smaller level, I never obviously had anywhere near the success that he had, but like, or, or went as crazy with it as he did. But I think on a smaller level, I can, I can see that and it's just real and kind of like, it's something that I've, gotten a taste of and therefore like I enjoy seeing that on, on a much crazier scale because you're just like oh my god look at what happens when you just kind of like let go of your decency you know and, and you start just like being willing to do whatever it takes like it's it, that part of it is, is pretty wild to me but even just more on a like lighthearted, I'm just trying to watch something for the entertainment value factor that movie just scene after scene is like like there isn't a scene in that movie that's boring in my opinion like every part of that movie like when you're watching it it's just like oh my god something else crazy it's happened like it's balls to the wall white knuckle action right the whole way that through. to it's me stressful, makes it super rewatchable like every part of it like i will say you don't watch it with mom but at the same time like it's definitely a movie where if like if it's on i you know i didn't you know and if i had a couple of other decent selections that's probably the movie i'm gonna have just running because it's entertaining and, and there's a lot of stuff where you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that happened because so much other stuff happens. Well, yeah, you also forget that it happens because it's a three and a half hour movie. It's so long. It's like a whole day to watch. I watched it, when I rewatched it, it was on, I think it was on like Netflix or something and I was hungover and laying in bed and Kelly was out of town or sorry, I'm going to say that again and my wife was out of town and I... I just was not getting out of bed that day. I was like, I'm going to order a pizza and I'm going to stay in bed all day. What can I put on? And it was probably between Lord of the Rings marathon and Wolf of Wall Street's on here. I haven't seen that movie since it came out. So I'm going to watch this. And it was funny, actually. I remember texting my wife that day and being like, what are you doing? And she texted me and she's like, I'm watching the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> she was watching it when she was out of town. It was weird. <laughs> super ironic we were both watching it just uh, on a whim um but yeah it's a good movie it's it's a great movie and we can't shadow over the fact that that is martin scorsese who is a very talented great director probably another podcast topic so i'm not going to segue uh away to him just yet but i do want to talk about another martin scorsese joint 
that Leonardo DiCaprio's in. Jeff, do you know what it is? Departed. No. Oh shit, that is it. <laughs> he's in. Yeah, I actually was, <laughs> I was not going to talk about that one. Yeah, no, no. What were you going to say, Brian? I just realized the one I was thinking of is Tarantino. So go ahead. Which one? Um, the hateful Django. No, no Django, Django. Django. There it is. Django. I was going to say he's not in the hateful. Eight. Uh, no, I was going to say. Well, Shutter the Island. hateful nine. It's the it's the one that's coming out next. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, really hateful that. Shutter Island. Yeah. Oh, dude, I, I was about to dive into that for just his best acting performance. I think that's my vote, to be honest. So that's Spoiler. another one. That, so that's one of my least favorite Martin Scorsese movies and my least favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movies. But Leonardo DiCaprio wow. is really good in it. But you know who really is the best in that movie? I got to say, it's Jackie Earl Haley. <laughs> Every time I watch that scene, I'm like, you God, he's let good. Him know. Yeah, that shit is yeah, so good. He's so good. Um, but yeah, so Leonardo DiCaprio... It, acting performance wise he crushes that movie so hard like it's so good why but do you hate that movie that movie's so good rewatch it it's it's not like for the good. sixth time or like... yeah I, I don't know Kelly loves it too and we rewatched it I think last year around Halloween probably about a year ago um, and the whole time I was just like man this movie really is not as good as I remember it being you're crazy I just you're crazy I just I don't know it's just not as good um the the plot um it's a little bit too twisty and i don't know man it just it didn't work for me i just did not like it as much and i think if you look it up on ron tomatoes right now um the critics kind of agree with me they kind of were like this movie isn't as good as it thinks it is um but i don't know i know that you like it brian jeff do you like shutter island, shutter How do you island. Like? i, I do tomatoes. um I uh, I'm 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 more prone to nightmares than either of you two, so Shutter Island's probably low on my list of rewatchables, but it is definitely high on my list of memorable films. Uh, some of the scenery, scary? some of the scenery in that film is just fucking hard to watch. Man, <laughs> um, some some of the cinematography, I meant. Um, and uh, but it's good. I mean, the twist at the end is is um, incredible. They they bury the lead really well, and uh, I uh, I really enjoy the storyline like I, I definitely enjoyed the movie as a second watch like i watched it the first time what the hell's going on now that i understand it watched it the second time wow this is really cool now that i know what's going on i don't think i have to watch it a third time um yeah maybe not i don't know maybe that's what it is maybe i shouldn't have watched it an extra time maybe i watched it one one viewing too much brian what does the rotten tomato say 68 percent critics 76 percent audience See, that's pretty low, right? That's 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 a rotten rating, right? Or not right? Uh, yeah, I think it's I don't know, right in the middle. I, I already got out of it, but it's honestly, it's I think for the most part, it's yeah, it's it's just seen as decent. Yeah, and I agree. It's still a watchable movie. I just don't think it's as good. It's it's definitely low on my list of uh, Martin Scorsese movies, and really uh, low on my list of movies well, that I'm going to watch in my day-to-day there's a reason that i didn't put it out there for you know most rewatchable or best movie that he's ever had i'm literally just saying for his acting performance he knocks it out of the park like the whole time like he goes from between seeming like he's in control to suddenly like losing control to like 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 especially once you know the twist at the end the next time you watch it you start noticing things about him that are a little differently you kind of watch his character and you're like wow like why wasn't that obvious the first time and it's because he does these little subtle things that are little ticks or little like tip offs to the twist and then all of a sudden you know once you've seen the end you're like 
oh man that that's a damn good acting performance yeah no he's he i mean again leo's great i mean um yeah so it's a it's still a good movie but it's just not as good as I think we remember it as. I would recommend watching it again and tell me that you disagree. We'll touch on his acting performance. Also. Do you think that's a good selection for acting performance only? Oh, yeah. No, I already said I think it's really high on his acting performance. I think that he really sells this this idea. I mean, you guys – I mean, I've already talked about it a lot on this podcast. But I'm really into detective stories. I'm really into mysteries. And I think maybe the reason that I'm rewatching it, I just didn't feel like it was a very good mystery or a very good – I don't know. I guess – I just it didn't necessarily work for me in either respect as a mystery or as a detective story as much as it was more just like a psychological thriller of like well what's going on in this weird island or whatever right sure. um that's the that's the only part that i guess i was really struggling with um as so far as an your... acting performance i think that you start to see his desperation i mean i think that that's another thing that leo really does that we're kind of discovering from our discussion here is He's really good at selling desperation. He's really, really, really good at making you believe that he's having a tough go of it. You know what I mean? Like he's really good at selling that. So, and I think that as the movie goes on, you start to see that more and more and you start to see him becoming unhinged. And you think maybe that first time you watch it, um, you're like, oh, he's becoming unhinged because this like he's going through such a stressful time you know but then you realize after the twist that oh no he was always having a hard you know he's always kind of fucked so so what is your know. personal preference for his best acting performance best acting performance yeah Ooh. i have mine if if you don't have your pass <laughs> i don't know I, I, the aviator probably um, I really that's another movie that people don't really love it's another one that's really long honestly i think that's another is that another Martin Scorsese movie? I think it is. I think, uh, um, and I really I love that movie um, a lot. I think that's yeah, it's really Martin great. Scorsese. Yeah, wow, that is that's another good one. Um, but is, and I think that he that's you know that's kind of the movie where he became not Romeo and Juliet and not Jack from Titanic for me, where I was just like, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio is actually like really. I think up until that movie came out, uh, my favorite actor was Robert De Niro. And then when The Aviator came out, I was like, oh, no, I like Leonardo DiCaprio. And I think yeah, to that, you know, he's one of my top ten for sure for he, as far as movies. I will watch all of his. He really does well the internal conflict of struggling with the disorder in, in that mm -hmm. film. Like you could tell him he's just in the theater room and he's just like <laughs> – or even the final film, The Way of the Future. The Way of the Future. He's just like, you can tell his own internal acting of, of being able to portray that frustration with himself is is there. Oh, I love the scene in the bathroom where he washes his hands and then is just staring at the doorknob like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> I'm going to get out of this room now. Yeah. I uh, really like that. Um, yeah, I think that The Aviator is another really good one. Damn, I did not realize how many Scorsese movies he's done because I think – I'm trying to think what else um because yeah we didn't talk about the departed we kind of brushed over it but that's another one that i like is another great acting performance by leo i don't yeah. know brian where's your number one leo performance performance uh i mean i'm still way up there with shutter island i think the whole time he just seems so like like i said so in control so out of control and i think he just does such a good job of delivering that um 
the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's that one moment, just like in Great Gatsby, where he's just like sitting there, like going over his lines. Remember that? And like he's just like all of a sudden he's in the trailer and he's losing his mind. <laughs> no, I was talking about when he's sitting down in the uh, the actor's chair, and then like, he gets a compliment and he's like starts tearing up or whatever. Oh yeah, scene. with the girl. With the like, <laughs> Dude, I don't know how he does it. Like that whole scene, it just like sucked me in. I was just like, wow. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Um, you know what else he was really good in, in my opinion? Uh, Gangs of New York, I thought was a good movie. Um, that's another Scorsese. Goddamn. Man, they work together a lot. <laughs> they work together a lot. Scorsese really is one of those directors who has his guys. You know what I mean? Like, he has that stable of dudes that he pull- – that sounds like a sex thing. But you know, but a lot of people <laughs> he, has that, like, he, has, he has that – yeah, he's got that stable of studs that he pulls out when he needs to ride. Um, no, he, uh, he has that group of guys that are like Ray Liotta. He's got – Robert De Niro, he's got uh, Joe Pesci, he's got apparently Leonardo DiCaprio, he's got, you know, I mean, I just, I think, yeah, wait, which one was that that you just brought up? Kings of New York. I lost it. I mean, that one, Kings that movie, York. that, movie, that falls, movie is, the movie falls flat for me a little bit with uh, Cameron Diaz. Um, I don't think she was the right casting for that film. I don't know. Um, I don't think it's her at all. I just think that, I think, I mean, for... I mean, you're talking about you got um, Martin Scorsese directing, you got Leonardo DiCaprio starring, and then you got who's the guy that plays Bill the Butcher, the guy that uh, everyone thinks is the best actor of all time. Yeah, it's um, the guy that plays the Lincoln guy. What's his name? Uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Yep, I got there. Um, You got Leo and Daniel Day at the heights of their powers. You know what I mean? Like they're the two most famous actors in Hollywood at that time, and. You come out with that movie, which is kind of a three-hour mess. You know? Like, it's just really long. It feels overblown. I feel like I keep getting tricked into answering this question from a standpoint of one of his best performances. And then we start talking about how shitty the movie is. I'm not saying... No, I think that he did a great job as performance-wise. And you know what else is... You know, there's another running trend i got to point out real quick. Liam Neeson is like a huge like trend in our podcast like even today we've already mentioned two movies that he's in without mentioning him do you know what they are excalibur and gangs of new york excalibur and gangs of new york yeah he just keeps popping up in things that we like i don't know what's going on there but i mean gangs of new york if you want to talk about how uh wolf of wall street is a um attack on capitalism then gangs of new york is an attack on xenophobia and yeah immigration sure. although immigration intolerance yeah, against the Irish for some reason. Well, I mean, that's, that, I that was the group that was being attacked yeah, but, at that point. But Scorsese's Italian. You would think he would, like, pick an Italian movie to talk about that. You know what I mean? I mean, that's that's The Departed. Maybe he's also Irish. No, that's also Irish people. It's in Boston. It's Irish gangs. Hmm. Maybe you're right. Um, we didn't really talk about The Departed, but... Brian, what is it about the Gangs of New York performance that you like so much? Because that's not a movie. That's, like, a... Like, that's a lower end of the pack for me, just in general. Yeah, I, I just I'm, I'm talking specifically about his acting performance. I thought he did a good job of uh, once again fitting that role. Like I mean, it, like and not all these roles are the same, but at the same time, he makes me believe him. You know what I'm saying? And so, like in general, this is a commentary on his acting ability, but specifically in this role, like when I think about his character, I think like yeah, I've I freaking bought it. Like the character was, you know. You know, this kid that was trying to find a way to exact revenge was trying to find a way to, like, you know, find his spot in the society of the time. 
And, you know, I, I think just overall, I can't point to you to any one scene really more so than just in general. I think he just did a good job and made me believe his character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and sure. Personally, what I would say, Leonardo expressed acting performance. He's not the main character of the film, but Django Unchained, I, I think, is, is his best acting performance for the, the, oh, the role awesome. that he plays. Simply awesome. because it is so out of character from anyone else he's ever played. Like he, he, and he plays it with such conviction of a slave owner trying to justify his lifestyle. Who fully believes it. Right. And it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to watch because he, it, you believe it so much. It almost makes you not like Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, seriously. It's kind of like, oh, I hate this He doesn't so play much. the bad guy often and he played it really, really well in Django. Does he ever play the bad guy besides there? Um, no, not that I can think of. Um, although I feel like if you ever wanted to do like a really fucked up horror movie, just cast Leonardo DiCaprio because I really feel like he can sell that like quiet intensity pretty well of like a serial killer or something. Um, or you know, he like was actually Riddler. supposed to be. He was supposed to be H. H. Holmes. Do you guys know that serial killer? It looks like it's Brian? it's expected for twenty twenty one. It was supposed to be a Scorsese movie as well. It looks like the it's Devil I'm, in the I White just, City. I'm looking at his IMDb and it says. Uh, Dr. H.H. H. Holmes, Devil in the White City, uh, announced. It's a TV you series. Wanna some, you want to hear something funny? Look at this. After I heard that casting like six years ago, I went and bought the book. That's funny. <laughs> I have it right here next to me in my library. Is H.H. H. Holmes the doctor that was killing people? He had the mur- he's the one with the murder castle. Who ha- He had the hotel in Chicago oh, during the yeah, World's yeah, Fair yeah, 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 that yeah. was like built to kill Dang, people. Dang, that would be a good movie or a good yeah. show if they ever – Get that that would be cool for him uh, if Leo does that, but I don't think I think that he moved on to a producing role. He's not going to be in in the role anymore. But that would have been really cool to see him play that character. I think. Um, all right, we're pretty close to the end here, so I kind of want to speed run it on some of the other ones. But I'm thinking maybe what I'm going to do, uh, Brian. Do you have the IMDb up for Leo? By I do. Means? I do. Okay. Let's, let's start just from the run beginning through. and just name some recognizable ones just start and like let's talk about like where they like are they like a good performance or a good movie or both or we watchable or whatever right right? i will go back to his early imdb list um first recognizable one uh darlene's classmate on roseanne 1990 i'm just kidding all right wow i did not see he i did not know (laughs) that he had a roseanne 1991 he was also in a fred meyer commercial in 1989 oh cool for That's those of you who don't know I'd what like Fred to change Meyer my is. answer for best acting performance. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I shop there. It works. Yeah, I shop there all the time. Uh, it's a grocery <laughs> store, like Kroger or Safeway. Uh, he was yeah. Josh in Critters 3, 1991. You're killing me. All right, let's move on yeah, here. Right. Uh, first significant role, speed. he played Arnie Grape in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, 1993. Acting performance, good. Rewatchability, uh, almost zero. Um, is Johnny Depp in it? Yes. He played Kid in The Quick and the Dead, 1995. Oh. I love that that's movie. That's a rewatchable movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Love that Did you movie. know that's Sam Raimi? I didn't know that that was Sam Raimi, but that's the director of uh, Spider-Man, trilogy. Spider-Man, the Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man trilogy. Um, Explains why he was slated with, for the Spider-Man role. Yeah, I think maybe that's how he got he initially had got him in yeah, there. But that one is very good. Uh, he so was a, he was a model in a Honda commercial in 1995. Uh, no, mm-hmm. then uh, Romeo and Juliet, 1996. I think that, that movie's I think that movie's really rewatchable. I highly recommend it, but not everybody likes it. So if you don't like Shakespeare and don't like 
Boz Lerman. Don't watch it. I don't know. Uh, Titanic, 1997. We didn't even talk about it. We didn't talk about it, although it's the first time that he was nominated for an Academy Award. Most successful film out of all of these, isn't it? Yes. Oh, probably. I mean, yes, yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, I... Uh, I don't, I don't know. What, do, what is there to say about him in Titanic? It's just another one of those movies where he's handsome and they really he lean into him He did a good job of handsome. selling a guy that just accepted his fate when there was plenty of room on that fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> he really wanted out of that relationship and didn't know how to I say it. I would be it, drowning, so. <laughs> screaming, what the hell, dude? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't drown. He froze to death. But yeah, he um, he's good in that movie. It's a good I mean, he movie. Does, he does a good job of, of playing kind of like the roguish um, alternative. Like he, he does a good job of, of playing an adventurous lifestyle that people would find attractive. Sure, I can uh, agree with that. But really, his role in that movie is just to be very good looking. Be charming, yeah. <laughs> that's all. It, yeah, yeah that's, that's his role. All right. Uh, then he followed that up with Man in the Iron Mask, 1998. That's another underrated movie for me. Very I love underrated. that movie, even though it's very bad. It's it very is bad. a bad movie. It is a very bad movie. Dude, the scene it's, where it's I, probably the lowest quality film that has the highest rewatchability. Because I would watch the scene that where uh, Armis like puts the freaking like doll, like the replacement doll, under his robe, and he goes into the the prison, and he's just like saying a bunch of stupid shit in Italian. <laughs> yeah, I like the part where. Uh, Porthos tries to kill himself and tears yeah. the whole barn down. Don't instead. worry, I, I, I sawed the crossbeam. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah, that movie is so dumb. You know what? It's and such I gotta a bad say, movie. <laughs> with Leo specifically, he actually does a really good job in that role of playing two different characters. Oh, and and the two different characters are so different. Yeah, he yeah, does a good job, so especially um, the character is it Philippe, um, who is comes comes out of the mask, and then he's just very much in a world that he doesn't recognize. And he doesn't recognize his own face, and he's very unfair. He does a good job of just seeming extremely awkward and unsettled, um, which is the minimum you can expect from somebody that went through what he went, his character went through. But anyway, uh, that's one that we should have spent more time on there, I think. Um, then Gangs of New York, uh, four years later in 2002, he plays Amsterdam Valen. And then that same year, big year for him, Frank Abagnale in Catch Me If You Can. Wow. And yeah, then that is a big year. Two years later, uh, he hit The Aviator. He was Howard Hughes and knocked that shit out of the park. That one's really good. Um, two I mean, years after another that, movie, real quick, that's another Scorsese movie that is way too long, though. Like, I love The Aviator. I think it's so really good. I honestly rewatched it maybe two years ago, and I still thought, like, that he was really good in it, and I thought it was a good movie, but goddamn, does Scorsese need a better editor? He needs a better editor. His movies are so long. They're way too long. It's ridiculous. Anyway, go ahead, jump in. All right. Uh, two years after that, he had another big year. He had The Departed, and he had Blood Diamond that year. We didn't talk about The Departed enough. I need to jump in. On and Blood Diamond is good too. Yeah, it is good. Although his South African accent is terrible. <laughs> it's really <laughs> bad. <laughs> um, but uh, he, The Departed. The Departed is that's another movie that is so rewatchable. That would I, be like. I didn't get to chime in, but The Departed was going to be my answer for the best film that he is a part of, like his the best picture that features Leonardo DiCaprio. That would be my answer, for sure. Matt so Damon, I, I, not not what? Catch Me If You Can. I said Catch Me If You Can had the highest rewatchability. We have three oh, categories. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so that's that's your best, but is that that's not your best performance? Not his best performance, but his best okay. the best film that he's a part of. That is such a good movie. That's probably, I mean, 
a lot of people will cr want to crucify me for this, but that's probably one of my favorite Scorsese, like one of my top two. It's got to be in my top two Scorsese movies. The Departed, uh, just to lock that in. Yeah, I I really do love that movie a lot, and I think I've rewatched. I I I. It took me a really long time to watch it for the first time. Um, I didn't see it until maybe like like three or four years ago, but since then I've seen it like. 10 times i've re i've rewatched it so many times i like that movie so much okay so that was a good year for him that's 2006 well, uh blood we, diamond is never seen it. middle of the pack he's good in it worth watching. he has worth like, watching. this really weird uh what's the guy from lost is that is that who it is the no it's not the guy from how lost. Um, dare you <laughs> it's how the he was no. in the thing remake actually um oh no, you're talking uh, about uh what's his face um yeah what is right goddamn his name he has a very african name it's hard to pronounce for me it's um uh, i'm looking it up here i need to know this this is embarrassing this guy's no he's really good he's in everything the, under the sun he's in guardians of the galaxy he's in uh jaman hansu or whatever jaman hansu yeah yeah that's right oh the guy he's from also, gladiator yeah oh. yep that's right he is in gladiator yeah, he's yeah. great in gladiator he's really good um he's extremely he's talented, all dude. about him yeah extremely he's talented. really good Blood Di his performance in Blood Diamond is probably like he deserves an Academy Award for it. It's so real and honest. It feels so good. Uh, All right, yeah, let's, let's keep really going good. here. Underrated. You're throwing yeah, up my in. rapid fire. All right, so that was 2006. He had a couple like Body of Lies, Revolutionary Road. He had a couple other movies in there, but okay. Wait, wait, wait. Body of Lies is pretty good. Um, but Revolutionary Road, he gets back with Kate Winslet. Um, they and it's about um, a, a a marriage in the 50s that is struggling and it is so depressing but they both they it's it really gives them a chance like titanic is very romantic right this is very not romantic it is very real and it's a real story of a couple falling apart and it really gives kate winslet and leonardo DiCaprio a chance to really flex how good they are at acting wait 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 so this is like other? uh the movie the breakup with vince vaughn where you just watch it and you're just totally bummed out about your relationship it, yeah except for <laughs> it, there's not even a single funny scene and at least uh, the breakup has that sounds come, like a freaking buzzkill. All right, let's keep going here. Two thousand drama. It's good. Two thousand ten. Big year. He posted Shutter Island and Inception, both in two thousand ten. Damn, same year. And I graduated I that say, year from high school. That was a good year. I was gonna say that year was, or like those movies were very similar to me. Like I, I'm like they, obviously Inception is better in my opinion, but. Um, they both have that psychological thriller. They make you think. You know, yeah, we beat, we've gotten through those. Uh, 2011, yeah. Jay Edgar. Is that another Scorsese joint? Because <laughs> that is a, that is another movie that is way too director Clint Eastwood. Long. Oh, of course it is, because he's so patriotic. Um, that movie's too long. Um, it do, it shies away from the parts of J. Edgar Hoover that make him the most interesting, like his uh, obsession with homosexuality and how it sh how it's the degradation of America, and yet he's secretly a cross-dresser. Um, I think that they shied away from that too much. And also, I think that Leonardo DiCaprio was kind of – he thought that that was going to be his Oscar winner, and he was trying way too hard for it. Next. All right. Let's keep going. Um, J. Edgar was 2011. 2012, Django Unchained. Can you believe that was eight years ago? Doesn't yes. seem like it was that long ago. Anyway, yeah. Django Unchained, we talked about. 2013, he had uh, Great Gatsby and Wolf of Wall Street. 
Wow, same year. Man, he has a lot of like. Yeah, there's a lot. There was punches. a lot of uh, a lot of Leo DiCaprio in theaters between 2012 and 2013. Um, real quick, I want to touch back on Django Unchained. Second best Quentin Tarantino movie, behind Inglorious Bastards, for me. That's how I feel about it. Or Lamy. But yeah, um, I think that's my personal. I think Pulp Fiction's pretty good too, but I'm, I'm yeah, not as high on it as like the cult. The third. cult following is. Um, that's third for me. But anyway, okay, uh, 2015. So it looks like he took a little bit of time to just be a Jim Beam model in a couple commercials. Uh, the Revenant was 2015. We mm-hmm. talked about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then uh, a couple of commercials for a couple of years didn't really do a whole lot. Then he dropped Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in 2019, and that was the most recent time we've seen him in a in a big movie. Okay, let's talk about his most recent film then, uh, real quick, just for what any thoughts, not necessarily Tarantino related, because I have a lot about him in that with that movie. But what about Leo? You guys like that performance? I didn't love it, to be honest. I think that there were moments that he sold it, but um, I don't know. I didn't love his performance. I didn't think he I think did it was that more great. the role was really limiting. I just, I don't know. Like, I, there, there were parts of the movie that were entertaining. I think there were other parts of the movie. Like, you have a whole thing about Tarantino and how you think he's super overrated. But um, I, just, I just felt like that stuff took up a lot of the movie, and, and it didn't really, I don't know. Like, his character I thought was very entertaining, but at the same time, it didn't blow my mind from a standpoint of, like, wow, no one else can touch this guy on acting. I thought the film suffered from things that were not in Leonardo DiCaprio's control. I thought Leonardo DiCaprio's performance was fine. That's what I'm trying to say. I I thought that, to expand on Brian's mention earlier, like not only him in the chair, with him being able to tear up, but also him back in the trailer when he's just having a meltdown. Um, Extremely relatable with the internal frustration. Um, Mm -hmm. Super enjoyable watching him act uh, in, in those moments. Sorry. Yeah, it was also, I think one of a rare uh comedic role from leonardo dicaprio i mean that i mean his character that movie is objectively a comedy right like it's objectively a comedy yeah it's um and leo really is funny in it like there are so many moments that he made me laugh which is something that you don't often hear when you think of leonardo dicaprio he's not a comedic actor and i think that he did a good job the reasons that i don't like that movie as brian said are Tarantino related. I think it was overstuffed with all the shit that Tarantino loves about his own movies rather than the stuff that people like. Yeah, the guy like just feels like movies. he's really into himself. I don't know. Yeah, and it's it's gotten worse over the years. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that wraps it up. I mean, what? I mean, how do we feel about Leo after this conversation? Everybody still like him? Sounds I, like we all still like him. Personally, I think he's a top three actor. I, like I, I just think his just absolute like range, his ability to like really make you believe a role, um, and you know his his track record of just kind of knocking roles out of the park. I think he's, I think he's a top three actor in my opinion. I, I got to be honest, you going through that list, I don't know how many you skipped there, but I think I've seen every single one of those. Uh, I skipped he, a couple. I just didn't recognize, but yeah, I mean, I've I've seen all the ones that you just mentioned, but um, Don's Basketball Plum, two thousand one. Which one? Don's Plum. I don't know that one. The Beach. 2001. 2000. Uh, the, Beach. Watched the Beach. The Beach is so good. It's also Alex Garland. It's the guy who wrote Ex Machina and uh, who did Annihilation and also that show Devs on TV. That's his book. And it's it's good. I like that movie a lot. And Tilda Swinton's in it. So you guys should watch it. I know Jeff's seen it. Uh, there was another one down here. Hold on. Um, Celebrity, Celebrity, 1998, Basketball Diaries, 
1995, uh, Marvin's Room, 1996. I don't know that one. Basketball Diaries is basically uh, he gets addicted to drugs. Um, that sounds awful. It's, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's one of the early performances that got him a lot of acclaim that people were like, hey, he's this guy's good, you know, so. Um. All right. Well, yeah, I think that that's that's all that there is. I think that we've talked about pretty much everything that you could possibly say. Oh, I did tease something at the beginning. Uh, the next Leonardo DiCaprio, Timothy Chalamet. You guys know who I'm talking about? Yes. No. Brian? No. Brian, you watched the Netflix movie The King? Right with um, Shalloway, Chalamet, Chalamet. He's the so he it's Timothy with like two e's at the end. I think it's the most annoying name ever. Yeah. <laughs> he has the most annoying. He's incredible. Name. What movie are they in together? Chalamet. No, they're not. I don't know if they're in anything. To oh uh, no, he's in Interstellar though. I just found out recently. Um, but uh, I think that he's the next Leonardo DiCaprio. I think that he's just like a handsome boy who right now is just playing the handsome boy. But he's already shown his range. I don't know if you guys saw Little Women, but he's in Little Women and he is absolutely incredible. And he has that same thing that Leo does where he has that one scene where he's asking the girl to love him and she doesn't. And he's just like, why? I love you so much. Please just love me back. And it's so real. I like watch it on YouTube all the time because it's just such a real moment. It makes you feel all the feels. And I think that he is quickly becoming like the next Leonardo DiCaprio for me at least like he's just he's a handsome kid who is really showing his dramatic range and you know he's going to be the main he's the main character in the new Dune movie um, and that's going to kind of blast him into everybody's uh, uh, frame of reference I think quickly the same way that Titanic did for Leo and then you know we're going to see him do some really interesting stuff so I just wanted to quickly say that that's my uh, prediction Um, but yeah all right cool well uh, let's wrap it up. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Clever Kids Pod. Brian is on a fantasy football podcast called The Redraft. If you want to hear his opinions on uh, all the football things, I mean, is the season over? Started? I don't even know. Seriously, your, I'm sitting here watching week uh, week seven right now. Oh, is that what you're doing off the screen? <laughs> I've just got red zone running. Uh, I was wondering why you were looking off the screen. Um, My I, uh, team is is in jeopardy right now. Um, yeah, but get in touch with us. Tell us what you think. Also, if you guys, if I mean, I'm seeing download numbers on our podcast, but no one's reaching out to us. So rate and review the podcast let us know what you think hopefully it's five stars if it's less than that don't review us please tell us where we can improve honestly yeah um if you want to hear more of me on... and less of them let us know let us know <laughs> hit us up on uh instagram and twitter and let us know what you think of Leonardo DiCaprio. What do you think are his best movies? What do you think are his best performances? And what do you think are the most rewatchable Leonardo Black? Leonardo DiCaprio movies um, otherwise uh, guys I'll talk to you guys throughout the week for our next topic and uh, we'll see you uh, on the other side I guess cool thanks Bye. guys thanks everyone for listening